1: This is The Successful Life, it's Cory Barrier, yeah come learn with me, take you down the path of our journey, this is The Successful Life, it's, it's time to take what you learned, apply it to your life, it's your turn, to live a successful life, you are tuning in to The Successful
0: Life Podcast, 3, let let's go. Welcome to The Successful Life Podcast, I am your host Cory Barrier and I am here with Miguel Garcia, what's up Miguel, how are you? All right, buddy. How you doing? I'm doing fantastic. So Miguel has, oh, my God, this dude's got an unbelievable story. And, you know, a couple things I'll point out is, first of all, the guy's got 15 fucking kids. So, and they're all by the same person. So, first of all, that in itself uh, is just, uh, you just don't hear about that. Like, I I don't know another soul on this planet that has 15 kids, other than maybe your your dad. <laughs> no, 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 no. Actually, uh, I, I came from a family of nine. My
2: wife, my family is seven. So, um, we want to kick everybody's ass, so we got 15.
0: Good Lord. I'd say so. So, Miguel uh, owns multiple companies, um, and he's going to tell us a little bit about that as well as his story because and I and I know some of the story but I want to hear all of the story. So Miguel, uh wherever you'd like to start, if you want to start with the, you know, starting out, you know, as a kid or you want to start out with your companies, either way I I'm good either way.
2: Um I think people know about my business and things like that, no, not not the background. So um uh I migrated to the states in 1977. Um you know, my parent migrated in 71, and then in 1977, he brought us all in. We got all visas and shit like that, and we migrated to Chicago. But, uh, you know, we I was born in a, a town called Guadalajara, which is uh, one of the main cities in Mexico. There's three cities, and that Guadalajara is one of the main cities, um, big cities. But I grew up, like, dirt poor, um, playing soccer on the streets, and um, just... I mean, happy as shit, man. I'm telling you what, you know, people go, uh, people tell you to, um, you know, go get a lot of money and all that stuff so you could be happy. And and it's really, that's not, that's not the, um, that's not the recipe, man. I mean, you know, I see, when I go back, I see kids playing soccer on the street, you know, barefooted or whatever, and they're happy as the kid be, you know? So anyway, so I grew up like that. Honestly, I didn't know I was poor.
0: Well, Uh so... You know, it's interesting that you say that because I think if you don't know, you know, if you don't know, it's just like you, you don't know what you don't know, right? You know, so if you grow up with no shoes, you don't know what it's like having shoes.
2: Exactly. So for instance, an example, like, like we ate beans in the morning, we ate, you know, rice and beans in the afternoon and we had uh, beans for dinner and my mom, since we couldn't afford milk. Uh, she would make a uh, um, lemongrass tea or, or um, chamomile tea or something like that to go along with things. And I thought that was just like perfectly fine. I love my, my, my food. Um, I never had a, a piece of white bread, sliced bread, toast, uh, jams or gels or anything like that. Nothing. And so um, that was a big shocker when I came to the States. Oh, Ketchup. Ketchup. I never, never
0: had, ketchup? had ketchup.
2: Nope. Wow. No, never. So you know when we came to the states, it's like a rude awakening in terms of uh the culture and also you know the food because we're like my mom is giving us all this stuff and we're like it's all sugary stuff. I mean, it, we loved it. Peanut butter and jelly, dude. That was oh. like that was like the best discovery ever for me. <laughs> you know, it still is one of the best discoveries ever if you <laughs> ask me. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> You know, we grew up like that. And um, when when I so when we when we landed, I guess in in '77, um, my dad had a one bedroom apartment in a basement, and it was nine of us in there.
1: Good lord!
2: The girls would sleep in the living room in a sofa bed, and uh, my mom, and my dad, obviously in the bedroom, and us bo- boys would sleep in the common area. Uh, of the basement, which was the laundry area, so at night nobody was doing laundry, so we would open the door and um, just put a, a couple of rugs in there and sleep on the floor. So we did that for for several years, couple two three years, till I I got a job and um, working for zenith It was a, a, a union job, so I got in and I was making six bucks an hour that was 1978 something like that so i was working the third shift so there was a premium right i would go to i would work from 11 p.m to 7 30 a.m and then go to high school bang then, yeah then come back from high school take a nap and then do homework and then do it all over again but uh we were able to save between my mom and my dad and I save enough money for a down payment to move uh so we bought a house in nineteen eighty, so we so, lived in this one bedroom apartment
0: for like three years yes yeah, so but but I think the transition from the apartment to the house is super important,
2: oh hell yeah man it was it was just awesome i mean i, I got to sleep in a bed
0: <laughs> no no, no, I mean like the the meaning like the story of how you Train, literally physically transitioned from one to the other. Uh, what happened that made you guys move? Cause didn't something happen and then you moved into the house that really, really wasn't finished.
2: Okay. No, that was, that was when I was little, 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 when oh. I was in Mexico. Yeah. Ah, gotcha. So well, yeah, when I was in Mexico um, at age five, I think we, I was born in the city. And my dad was building a house in the outskirts of the city, very re- well. In the old days, it was very remote. Then my guy got pretty upset with one of my aunts and said, basically, "Fuck it, we're we're moving out." That night, man, we moved out and we. He took us to the unfinished home and it, it only had a kitchen, and I don't think it had a bathroom. I don't remember, but we had a kitchen and a little room, and it's us and like four kids back then, four or five kids back then, and um it was pretty wild man I was like you wake up the next morning in a neighborhood you don't even know and you're looking around and it's like what the heck man Dirt streets and just really he took us to the poor side of town definitely
0: <laughs> well so the reason I think that's super important at least it for me you know I le- I read a little bit about Miguel's story in a book that he's he's writing and uh, the reason that portion stuck out to me is because I, I this is not exactly the same but when we were on our way to the resort in Jamaica, there's, there, there were these houses exactly the way you described in the, in the stuff that, in the book that you had, you know, the stuff that you sent me. And it all of the houses are unfinished. And so my, what the guy said was they would build, literally build one room at a time, live in it. Then they would build another room. Then they would have two rooms and then they would build a third room and it's it's crazy, it's wild, you don't see that here no
2: we we so we started with like one bedroom and the kitchen, no bathroom, and then we finished the house and we had five bedrooms and three baths, so it took how a long, long to take oh how long, you no know, maybe fifteen years or something like that oh, I'm like no so I was five. Probably six, seven years, something like that. I never thought about it, but it was six or seven years, yeah. So my dad um, my dad uh, mortgaged the house so he could get money to come to the States. And so he came in 1971 and worked his butt off to pay off the mortgage of the house so that we wouldn't lose the house. And that's why we couldn't come with him because he had mortgaged the house. But, you know, 77 was a different story. He was able to afford it us to come over and we, I didn't think we were going to get the visa though. When my mom, my mom came to see my dad in 1976 and she stayed about a month. And then she went back when she brought my little brother and um, she came back and she goes, Oh, uh, your dad wants us to move. And I'm like, ha, whatever. We're not going to get a visa. We don't have the money. And I was like, yeah, I'll continue on with my life, you know? But um, man, lo and behold, we got, he got the money, and when we went to the consulate in, in Guadalajara, uh, we got the visas. It was, like, incredible. I could not believe, you know, they gave
0: us visas. It was just I, so lucky. Yeah, because, you know, when you were mentioning that just a, a few minutes ago, I thought to myself, you know, it's not even that easy, not super easy to get visas now, yeah. right? I mean. Oh, oh. No, it's hard. Wow. It's hard yeah. Too.
2: So, you know. My mama goes, okay, we're moving. And I'm like, what the freaking hell? I had my life. I had a scholarship. When I was little, I I was awarded a scholarship for, um, which is um, junior high and then um, high school and um, college. So I had a scholarship for my whole career if I wanted to stay out there.
0: And for what? Um, Anything I chose. I mean... The scholarship typically is, you know, academic or? or, academic. or yeah, oh, academic. okay.
2: Gotcha. Scholarship. Okay. And so um, when I came here, uh, we came uh, June 9th. And, and then I, I went back in August because I had to go back to school. So when I got back to school, I started playing hooky because my parents weren't around. I was living with my grandparents in, in my parents' house. And I started hanging around with all kinds of. Ugly people. I was 13 years old, man, going to bars and things like that. all good, Lord. Yeah, yeah. And so um, my 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 grandparents couldn't really manage me, and so I guess they told my mom, and my mom uh, called me, and she go, uh, so I missed one of the semesters. So I didn't um, join the um, the school for that particular semester because I missed the deadline. And my mom called me and she goes, hey, how would you like to come to Chicago for the winter? It's beautiful snow and blah, blah, blah. We'll have Christmas together and all that shit. And I'm like, okay. You know, I've never seen snow. So, yeah, let's go. So, when I came um, back to Chicago, you know, I had long hair. My mom would never allow me to have long hair. So, I was, you know, it's the 70s, dude. You know, you had to have long hair
0: huh? <laughs> right? <laughs>
2: scrubby, you know, and <laughs> stuff. And, um, as soon as we got home, she cut my hair. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we had Christmas together and all those stuff. And I said, So, when am I going back? And she goes, You're not. And I'm like, <laughs> really, I'm not. She goes, No, you're not. You misbehave, so you're going to stay. So, she took, you know, my passport and all that shit, She put it away. And she goes, but would you,
0: So, would you have rather go back or would you have rather stay? You would have? Oh, hell yeah, man.
2: But you got to understand one thing. A lot of people don't understand this about people that immigrate. Even even now the the folks that are immigrating, um, you do it because of the necessity of, of of you know economic issues, basically. I mean you gotta eat, right? You gotta feed your family, you gotta do that. You can't do that in your country, so now you're forced to move. And when I moved here, I had no friends, I didn't speak the language, I wasn't too fond of the food, I wasn't I mean, it was it was it's it's a different world, literally. Yeah. And, and, and now I have to learn English. I have to go to school. I have to, I don't have no friends. I don't, I mean, it's just, you just, it's not like you move from, from Texas to North Carolina. It's not like right. that. You move from a totally different country. You know,
0: and, and it's a new world. Well, yeah. And I guess, you, you know, being integrated with not having any social yeah. skills whatsoever is probably a fucking nightmare.
2: It was. And back in the day, I, I played soccer. I mean, I love playing soccer every single freaking day. And, and I played organized soccer with my club and all sorts of things. And I come here, and I couldn't even do that. Soccer wasn't implemented in, in the school system yet, in the public school system. Oh. Yeah. So that's another hmm. kick in the balls. Yeah, you are really a fish
0: out of water, weren't you?
2: <laughs> oh, yeah. And, you know, you're, you're, I was 15, I think, and, you know, rebellious and shit like that. So it was a pretty tough transition time for me. It was, it was it was hard. It was really hard. Then I realized, you know, you kind of uh, sober up, and then you go, "Shit, okay, I'm not going back." So what I'm going to do is, I got to learn the language. I got to adapt. I got to start, you know, developing some social skills here and all that stuff and figuring things out. So, um, and I got a book. I remember I had a uh, "Learn English in 30 Days," 30 lessons, some like, love. At the end of the month, I'm going to be fluent with these people. I'm, like, I'm freaking going through this book like nobody's business, man. You know, I'm trying to shorten the time. I want to learn the entire, you know, language in, in 15 days and you know, do two lessons a day and all sorts of things. Obviously, it didn't work. But I don't know how much my mom paid for that book, but it didn't work. Uh, so, you know, Gary, I'm in high school. Like, they didn't have bilingual programs like they do now or anything like that. It's just like you're sitting and you hear all this stuff and it's like, I don't know what the hell they're saying, you know?
0: I can't even imagine that. Like, just, I guess I can, sitting in a Spanish class, like. Yeah, exactly. You know, for me, and I'm like, fuck this. I, I don't want to learn. Like, I don't want to learn Spanish that bad. I mean, like, I just, <laughs> to learn a different language to me is is so, it, it, I don't know, it's just, it's a challenge. It is a challenge. It's a challenge. So,
2: finally, um, the summer of, I don't know, seventy eight. We got some Puerto Ricans that moved down the block. And then um, my wife's family moved down another block. And so all of a sudden I could hang out with, you know, Spanish-speaking people, like like the music, the culture, the food, the this and that, and it became more bearable. It became more bearable. And then, you know, they joined high school, and my my wife had two brothers that were in high school with me, and so now I have some people to hang out with and all that stuff. But it was pretty rough for a while, man. It was rough for a while. I bet. Yeah. I bet. But if it was for me, I would stay back. I would. Because that
0: was my world, man. I mean, it's... What do you think life would look like if you'd have done that?
2: Uh, Okay, now, hindsight, I'm I'm glad my mom didn't let me go. (laughs)
0: Right
2: Right now, I mean, with the way I am, I'm probably a very corrupt politician in a very high place. (laughs) Hardly <laughs> the second in command with El Chapo, <laughs> right? Right. <laughs> right.
0: Not Louis Chapo. <laughs> no, no, not Luis Chapo. I <laughs> <The, the, laughs> Chapo. Yeah. Oh, yeah.
2: yeah I, I you know, I've gone back and seen some guys from my neighborhood, and I'm going all right. I did all right.
0: Did yeah, it. because I bet you know you can look back, and I'm sure they're probably exactly. Just just they're an older version of what they were you know fifty years ago,
2: yeah oh well, definitely um i mean the the circumstances are different um you know this is this is the land of opportunity if you can't make it in the u s you're a fucking idiot <laughs> yeah i mean this is the land of opportunity um I think if uh our Lord Jesus Christ came back, this would be the land of where honey and milk flows. Because it's the land of opportunity, and in Mexico, I mean, these guys—they try to do business, open up businesses, and then they get shaked down by the government. They get shaked down by the, the local gangs, and it's just impossible to do. Well, it.
0: so what do you mean? Like, give me just give me an uh, kind of an example, or give everybody listening kind of an example of what you mean by that. Because I, I grew up here, I don't I don't know anything about that.
2: So, for you to get a, a like like a business license, you have to go to the government office and wait hours and hours to talk to somebody and then wait days and days for your license. If you, if you want it faster, you bribe somebody. Okay. That's how it works. And once you get your your license, then you open up your business and then the local mafia or gangs or whatever, they'll collect uh, a fee because you're selling there. Right. And it's just hard. I mean, I was, one of the guys was telling me that they, they, um, they, he has a jewelry, he had a jewelry store, and uh, they would come in and collect. So he did, you pay us or something is going to happen to you, your family, or your jewelry store. And so he had to pay him some money. And they, they really let you grow. And, and it, it's it's not very... Uh, a good environment to, to be an entrepreneur person. And you know, so there's other guys that aren't making it or whatever, but they have big connections. If you don't have connections, you can shit. Right. If you got connections, you get protected and all sorts of things. And that's the part I despise about the culture.
0: So just out of curiosity, like what, you know, when you say they would get shook, you know, had shook down or whatever you say, how often would that happen? This episode of the Successful Life Podcast is brought to you by Housecall Pro. Whether you're looking to streamline your operations, reduce paperwork, or boost revenue, Housecall Pro is your all-in-one business solution. Transform your business today with essential tools and support designed to drive efficiency and deliver exceptional customer service. To learn more, click the link in the show notes.
2: Oh. I mean, they have a. Um, Do so you owe this amount of money every every two weeks or once a month? Okay. for him, yeah, for him I think it was a couple uh, times a month. They would come in and collect, and you had to have the money ready. You remember? Have you ever watched the Godfather, the movie? You know,
0: this is really embarrassing, but you know, I I, I didn't love. Well, I didn't love the beginning of The Godfather because of just the way his monotone just how slow he talked. And so I never got through the whole movie. I've watched every other gangster movie you can think of.
2: <laughs> well, that's my, my epic movie. Um, well, you know, they, they're shaking down the, the, uh, I think it was the, um, the, 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 um, the Baker they were shaking wow. down, So he comes in and they ask him, for something. okay, pay up and all that stuff. And some is the same thing. It was it was the same thing for my buddy but, uh, <sighs> yeah just tough man but so they, they resort to other things um but again you know um the corruption there is just um awful 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 okay. and and everybody knows that that's the way to get ahead so every, everybody contributes to corruption like bribing the policeman if you can't get what you want you bribe the person and it's just It's a cultural thing.
1: That's
2: crazy. I despise that. Now that I go back and I just despise it. I got pulled over by a cop and he saw my license plates. I drove out there with my family. He saw my license plates. They were U.S. and, you know, he's like rubbing his hands and like, I got this guy. So, I had an expired driver's license and my regular driver's license. So, I had my my expired driver's license on my wall and so he pulled me over because he said that I ran the line. I said, dude, I didn't run the line. He goes, yes, you did. And, you know, he just started messing with me, and, and I said, if you're looking for a fucking bribe, I'm not going to give it to you. And he looked, looked at me all indignant, like, what do you mean? And I said, I ain't fucking going to give you anything. So what do you want to do? He goes, I'll take your driver's license away. And I said, here's a fucking driver's license, man. Take it. It was expired, so I appreciate it. <laughs> goes, well, you, have to, you need this to drive in Mexico, and so you have to go to the police station and, and get it there in, in the in – the, uh, the uh um what do you call it? The ticket is gonna be like an exorbitant amount of money, and that's the only way you're gonna get your driver's license back. And I said, Okay. So where's it? Where where's the um uh, the police station or whatever? And he goes, Well, it's you know, whatever, five blocks away, ten blocks away, whatever. I said, I'll meet you there. I can take off and I take off. Okay. <laughs> <It's like, laughs> okay. So he got my expired driver's license, so whatever. I mean, I don't care. But, but he I, would have kept it, though.
0: And, and what would have happened is you would have had to pay the the You'd have had to pay the ticket, right?
2: Um, I guess. I was so yeah. Well, I was so adamant of not paying that um, I knew uh, that's why I took my expired driver's license. But um, that's how people contribute to 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 corruption. I should have gone. Okay, go. I'll go to the police station and pay whatever it is. And argue with the case or whatever. But you don't know. Everybody's it's um like that. Like this guy collects a bribe and then he has to pass on a third percentage. To the bribe to his boss because they have a quota, right? So if I go talk to his boss
0: and try to argue my case, you know what's the point? Right, because you argue with the guy that it's it's going to be part. It's partly his money, so why <laughs> yeah. would he sign? Why would he sign with you? Yeah,
2: yeah. Why? What would? So it's just like, you know, dead end. I got pulled over several times, like three or four times, because of the license plates. And one time, I just it, I, I said, to "The guy, I'm not going to give him fucking money." All right, I'm not. That's it. Do whatever you want to do. And the guy goes, "All right, can I just have some money for a soda?" And I'm like, "Okay." So I gave him a dollar, and he's like, get the fuck out.
0: <laughs> <laughs> you gotta be fucking kidding me,
2: dude! It, it's just a shakedown like that, man.
0: Is it because they don't get paid enough, or is it they're just greed, or is it both? No, they don't.
2: They don't get paid enough. So back in the '70s, they had a um, uh, the national police director, whatever his name was. Uh, his title was, if you wanted to be a police officer, you would come, work. let's say I was the guy, you would come and work for me with no salary. You had to make your own money out of bribes. Damn. Yeah. So commission-based job. <laughs> right. That's what it sounds like. Oh, my God. Yeah. yeah. And so, I mean, it's always well-documented everywhere about this this, this period of time, but that just continued on. I remember um, in Chicago, uh, late 80s, I mean, early 80s, um, there was a campaign in a radio station and in a TV in the Spanish station telling people not to try to bribe officers in Chicago because you came from Mexico, you ran a red light or stop, you give them five bucks and you're done. Well, these guys were trying to bribe the, the Chicago police officers and, and they were thrown their ass in jail because they were trying to bribe them. Right. Yeah, because well, it's against the law here. Yeah. But you know, out there is not. I mean, you 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 knew that you could get a, get out of the ticket by just giving the guy some money and and that was it. Wow. You don't have to go to court, you don't have to do all the uh you know, all that crap. You just pay the guy right there and then you're done. So that's crazy. That so I'm not I'm not there for because of those all those reasons, you know. Um I love going back, you know. um, Now that we're on the subject, so I'm a U.S. citizen, right? But you know, people tell me, "Well, but you're Mexican too." And I said, "I am. I mean, I was born in Mexico." So the way I explain people how I feel about the United States and or Mexico as 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 my my country is like, is like when you're adopted. So, Mexico. Didn't take care of me. They put me out for adoption. They didn't want me, so I fucking left. The U.S. adopted me. There is my adopted country, and it's giving me everything. Why would I love the U.S. less than than, than the country that kicked me out? Right, I, mean, I, I can't think of. It gave me that. out for adoption, right? So you know, I'm very, very proud of us Extremely proud. Um, and so you know, I explain to people about when they when they see it that way, when they hear it that way, from me, they go, "Okay, I get it." Yeah. So, you know, the U.S. is right. adopted country, and it's giving me everything. everything. That's amazing.
0: So, and tell me about your first business. Tell me what the first business that you started and how you how you started it. Be you know, because you had uh, it's ironically all odds against you.
2: Yeah, yeah. So, the reason why I started my business was because out of necessity, obviously. Um, you know, when I had, my wife is having a child every two years. And so, um, she says, stay home mom. It's another thing I want to uh, tell people. People go, well, why, why? like, oh, man, you know, I'm Catholic. So when I get married, I have a contract with God. And in the contract, the priest states, would you, um, accept all the children that God sends you? And I, we said, yes. And so, that's what it is, dude. It's, it's, I can't violate that contract. I mean, it's, it's, it's not, I can't do it. Okay. Right. Um, and so she was having a child every two years and, and she wanted to be a stay home from the get go. When I was dating her, she wanted to have a lot of children and all the motherly instincts, all those beautiful things that the, 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 the nurturing and also she's got all the qualities, all the qualities. And she wanted to have kids. And so I'm like, that's fine. I mean, we got married, we got a ton of kids. So I was always working my ass off to to make ends meet because, you know, you're feeding a lot a lot of mouths and then you have you know, hospital issues or whatever. So I've always worked a part-time job. So I was a programmer in the 80s, uh, about '94. 90, I was a programmer analyst. Okay. Go by, um, IBM mainframe systems. And at night I was... I could be a, a waiter, or it could be um, um, a cleaning guy. I was cleaning toilets full of shit in a factory, and like, cause I had a crew, and we would go and clean you know, this factory of offices and the factory floor. I did taxes. Um, I mean, I I did a lot of stuff, side hustles to get money. So the hustling part, I've all, you know, I've always had it, but because I really need it. Then um, in we moved out of Chicago in 2000, 2005. The reason why I left Chicago is, I, and I tell people, you got to look at your circle. And my circle was um, was very, um, not poisonous, but it was, <laughs> yeah, it was
0: poisonous. Somewhat, somewhat <laughs> toxic. Yeah, very toxic, man. Very, very toxic. And so... What do you mean by that? So, so when you say that, what do you, what do you mean by your circle's toxic? And the reason I want you to go into that is because somebody may be listening and they say, well, they may be thinking about their circle. And what we're talking about is the circle, meaning the people that you surround yourself yeah, with.
2: Yeah. So, you know, our families are big, her family and my family. And so we've got uncle, uncles and brothers and lo- mm-hmm. brother-in-laws and all this stuff. And we were hanging out and drinking a lot. A lot. I was spending a lot of money and then uh, we, we started ch- shooting pool. And so I was shooting pool Mondays, Wednesdays, Fridays, Saturdays. And then I was hanging at the bar, you know, almost every day. And then on the weekend we get together and we get all drunk and all sorts of things. And so after a period of time, you know, I'm, I'm buying groceries with my credit card because I can't afford this advice. You know, you go to the bar, it's very expensive, but you know, hanging out with, with them and, my wife and I started having arguments about what the hell, man, you know, what are you doing? And I'm like, I'm not cheating. you. I'm with your brothers. I'm with my uncle. I'm with my family. I mean, we're just hanging out. And so we started having enough of those um, arguments until we had a conversation and, and we're like, we can't continue with this because this, this is going to break. What this
0: made happened. you, what, what, what was some of the indications that things were not going great for you? Um,
2: family, or I mean, you know, so okay, so I would go on and drink, and my wife, I would come home, and I miss dinner and all sorts of things. So, my my wife went to get advice from my grandmother, and my grandmother says, "Look, you don't fight me, Gil. you just kill him with kindness, and you got to be very, you got to give a hundred percent, so that he sees that." And so I would start coming home, and she would leave my plate setting on the table. You know, and to me, it was a reminder. Hale, you missed dinner. Then, you know, I get to the ba- bathroom and she's got all my things laid out. Um, I go to the our bedroom. She's got my clothes laid out for the next day because, you know, you had to wear a shirt and tie for to be a programmer. You know, back in the 80s, you had to do that. Right. Everything was ironed out, laid out, matched, things like that. So all of a sudden, you know, these things were yelling at me, like, freaking loser, man. What are you doing? You got a great wife. You got a great life. Yeah, sure enough, man. I I broke down. I mean, it's like I can't do this, man. This I'm an asshole.
0: <laughs> yeah. How long did How long did that last? Do you think? How long do you think coming home, to <clears throat> empty play settings, and everything set up? How long did you let that drag out?
2: Honestly, I don't know, but it was um, it was it was those things, and then the fact that she wouldn't argue with me, like oh yeah. So it, I want to say it was probably a year or so, but I was getting better, you know, I would not go like every, uh, every, every night anymore, and I would stay home more often, and I would do more things, it was gradually, so I had to be there for a year, or or a year and a half, or something like that, so 92, we went to a a spiritual retreat, and I went, and uh, it's a five-day retreat, it's a silent retreat. So you don't say anything and they're teaching you all this stuff and you can't say anything and you go to your room and you meditate about that stuff.
0: And so, um, let me tell you something. I got to stop you.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> I swear to God did no, I swear the last time I, so I, I interviewed Vaughn yesterday. Oh, okay. And I told Vaughn because Vaughn's Catholic. Yep. Switch from Baptist to Catholic, and I was telling him that a friend of mine, uh, in 2006, invited me on a silent retreat that I did. I had no idea because I wasn't Catholic. Mm-hmm. I didn't know what the fuck I, I had no idea what that was <laughs> until I got there, and the 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 father was like, "All right, like until Sunday," and I'm like, what the "Fuck you mean? Like what?" And everybody's, you know, and I, I and I, I'm like trying to follow along. Everybody can tell I'm an idiot because. <laughs> I don't know what I'm doing. You know, I have zero clue, but that weekend, because I was, I had to literally sit in silence, uh, was, I would say that's when I got introduced to Matthew Kelly. And I know, you know who Matthew Kelly is, right? Matthew Kelly, Catholic, uh, is pretty big. Um, I'm surprised actually. You should anyway. So you should check him out. But, but I was telling Vaughn that and he was like, yeah, I, I, I've never gone on a silent retreat. I'm like, well, if I would have known, I probably wouldn't have either. But I'm kind of glad that I didn't because it was a good, it was a, you're there with God and that's it.
1: (laughs) Well,
2: you you know, the beautiful thing about the silent retreat is that you kill all the noise. Yeah. Now, you know, God does, there's a saying, I think you, uh, um, there's a saying that God whispers to you and then when you have pain or whatever it's like he's yelling at you like dude wake up wake up you know he sent you a wake up a moment you know and that's when God is yelling at you quote unquote. but in the retreat it's total silence you could hear you yourself think and and all of a sudden you know you're looking inside and, and, and figure out what, what am I doing where am I going with this Ooh, you know what's my Five-year, ten-year plan, or whatever, and he's and, and and he's he's very sobering because you realize exactly what you're doing and, and, and where you're going to end up if you don't change. That you know you're going to lose your family, you're going to end up God knows where. I had two very close calls, uh, two accidents that that were kind of got going. Hey, moron, wake up! Okay. So one, yeah, one one time. Uh, um, so a friend of mine, I, li- I lived in the street, a dead end, and it was the Chicago River on the other side of the street, right? And so they had, like, these big rocks there, and my buddy had a really stick shift Honda, and he, and he was, I bet you could get it down to 70 on your your street or something like that. And I'm like, bullshit, you can't. We're drunk, right? And I had a, a buddy of mine in, in the back. He wasn't in the back seat. It was a two-seater, and we had him laying in, on like, you know, where where the <laughs> hatchback? Yeah, it's back. And he's like, okay, game on. And he starts riveting the car. And mean, he's going crazy, man. And, and all of a sudden, I mean, you're there, right here. And he hit the brakes, and the car hit the rocks, and we were almost going to get launched. And for some reason, we didn't. So the car was like, you know, almost, uh, um, well, in a 90-degree almost position. And so it like, the next – you know, I, we had to get the car down and all sorts of things. I wasn't drunk anymore by then. I bet. Nobody, but <laughs> nobody was. Mm-mm. And and um, so we had to get the car down. And, and then the next day, because I had to come in, it's like a like a little uh, circle there. You you come to the dead end and you come around. Then I saw the marks there, and I'm like, "Well, why didn't I end up on this river? I just don't get it." You know, thank you God or whatever. So. Um, and then I had another one where a buddy of mine had to get like 45 stitches in his head because we had an accident. It was just bad stuff. And what happened? Um, I were drinking and uh, just trying to run the yellow light, but the lady in front decided not to and oh. hit it pretty bad. And this guy was so drunk that, you know, back then you didn't wear seatbelts, right? Um, you know, in the 80s, I guess. He, he vaulted out of the seat and hit his head on the... Uh, um, on the sunroof, you know, the, the, um, the sunroof had since it was, it was, uh, after my Yeah. And so he just cut himself open, man. He's like, like he had to pay basically. He was nasty. Man. You know, Ooh. So he was married, four kids and, um, I had to go to emergency room and I was just bad stuff. And so, yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> I took him home. home. Actually I took him home. 'Cause I, I was gonna patch him up, according to me. And he was so right. drunk, he didn't care. He was just bleeding. And um took him home. I told my wife, get in the bedroom, I don't want you to come out. So I'm trying to clean him up in the bathroom. And she's in 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 the bedroom with the kids and I'm like, There's no way I could patch this up. So uh-uh. so I took him to the emergency room and uh they couldn't do anything to him because he was so intoxicated that um they had to wait like the next day, for to patch him up for surgery, they had to do something. They couldn't do something because he was so drunk. So they kind of stopped the bleeding, patched him up a little bit, and then the next day, they took him in and really fixed him up. I guess.
0: Yeah, that was a close call, and you were driving.
2: I was driving. Yeah, yeah. So I felt guilty, remorse, and I mean, it was it was it was the the, the hangover from the booze and also the moral hangover yeah you had to look at his wife i had to look at his kids he couldn't go to work for like 30 days or something like that and he was just uh it was it was bad
0: well and stuff like that can really you know if you're barely making it shit like that can really me can really take a turn i mean that's you know we talk about defining moments that could be that one decision away from that could be the decision that went south oh yeah real quick
2: yeah, yeah, so, you know, so those combination of things, my wife changing me, and then me doing those stupid things, kind of like, I had enough of the shit, I I don't want to do it
0: anymore. Yeah.
2: So, um, we looked at our circle and said, you know what, we you, we can't move 30 minutes away, or an hour away, or two hours, they'll fucking drive out there, man. That's you know, right. It's a great time. So, we, at the, at the uh, retreat, I met some people from Kansas, and they go, hey, you, I'm selling my house, it's um, one third of an acre, five bedrooms, two baths, sixty thousand dollars. And I'm like, what? I had a home in Chicago, it was one hundred twenty-eight thousand hundred twenty thousand dollars.
0: I had, um, which is a lot of money back uh, when in 2005 is that when yeah. you said uh, two, uh, no, 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 1992. Yeah, that was still a lot of money in 1992. That was, I mean, that would be equivalent of probably half a million now,
2: something like that, but. Um I'm like, shit, I could sell my house, pay cash for this sucker, be debt free, and get away from everybody. So that's what we did. Which is what up. part of Kansas? Uh I'm about 30 minutes from Vaughn.
0: Are <laughs> and, you really? <clears throat> yeah. How about that?
2: Yeah. So I'm in huh. Harris, Kansas. And for those of you guys who want to come and see me, I got guns. <laughs>
0: <laughs>
2: four gun stores guys and an ammo manufacturing company so do you um, really yeah
0: that's one of your companies is ammo manufacturing
2: yeah ammo. really yeah yeah, yeah. so um so now getting to the business um a, uh, a friend of mine got out of the air force and was running a um, he was a programmer so he had a web portal and he was attached to a manufacturer, and, and so he would just pass the orders to the manufacturer, and he was getting like the twenty percent commission. And he said to me, "Look, if we do this together, we get our own website. We could get fifty percent instead of twenty percent." So I joined him, and you know, long long, long story short, in uh, that was two thousand one. In two thousand six, we opened the first retail store. In a military, uh, outside a military base in Fort Riley. Then, that was May, May 2006. And then September 2006, I opened a store inside the base in Fort oh,
0: Riley.
2: okay. So I started figuring out what the process was.
0: Well, let me ask you this really quick. So I would think, just being non-military, that why would you need a, uh, an ammo store on a military base? I would think that the military would provide all the ammo you would need.
2: Okay, so back then we didn't have the ammo. This was just tactical gear. It was, uh, you know, anything the soldier wore, like boots, um, socks, belts, uh, pouches to carry the ammo, um, slings for their guns, for their pistols, backpacks. It's all upgraded equipment because our government our government gives them shit. Okay, see, I don't know that. I didn't know that. It gives them shit. Uh, at least, at least the army. The Marines take care of their people, but the the Army, not as so a, much. Not 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 that much. So there there was an opportunity for a lot of aftermarket or upgrade um, uh, parts. So so you know you you go to Iraq, you're going to go to war, and they issue you a fucking holster that it takes you, you know, I don't know, five six seven seconds to to get your gun out of the shed, or you're dead. You won that you could, you could draw your weapon in less than one second. I mean, if you're in a gunfight. You need that one. So you need every second you could possibly get. Exactly. And so, you know, you're buying. So you're upgrading your holster. And then the boots that the government was giving back then, um, they would weigh about three to four pounds. And Gosh. they would upgrade to, like, Nike came up with, with uh, some boots. and. And a size nine was 15, 14 ounces. Have to finish you. So, you know, the guys are deploying to Iraq and Afghanistan, and they're doing 12, 14-hour patrols on the foot. You want to have the most comfortable shoes, the best socks possible, the lightest vest, the, I mean, just so they would upgrade. And so that was kind of our business. We, we were selling uh, upgraded stuff to them.
0: That's smart. I, I didn't know. I, I guess I just thought that everything would have to be government issued. Like, I, I wouldn't think that they would allow you to, you know, because you got to wear your hair a certain length and you got to, you know, you got to show up a certain way, certain weight, certain X. I would have just, I would have assumed that everything else is the same way. And you're correct. I mean,
2: um, but the, the um, third party manufacturers were were matching the uniform. They were matching like for the backpack. Um, they would match the same material as as the military. They had a license to, to do that. But they would that their backpacks or their vests would be more efficient. Like, like like the military will issue a vest with a certain configuration. If you're left-handed, you're fucked. You know? <laughs> really? Yeah, or 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 you know, if you wanted to put other things in there, you couldn't. So we would sell a modular vest where you would attach whatever you need. You know, if you want to have grenades versus Pistol pouches, you could, you know, it, 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 it would fit your needs, and so, uh, yeah, we did that. And Do you still have that? No, no, no. So, um, so we, we we sold the business in 2017. So, in 20, I'm speeding the things up. Um, we blew up the business to about 24 stores. You did what? We blew up the business to about 24 retail stores.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Well you mentioned grenades a second ago and then you said blew up. So yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> okay, <and I> remember. <laughs> so yeah. okay, twenty-four retail stores <laughs> and they were all on the not all on the base. No, um
2: so we had stores all over the country, including Hawaii. And yeah, so we had a, a, a military store in Schofield Barracks in Oahu. Um and then we had um one in the Air Force Base, I can't remember the name, but anyway, a um, bunch in Texas, Louisiana, uh, Oklahoma, Colorado, I mean, just, just, just everywhere. Sure. Then we decided to get into the gun business. And so what we did is uh, we opened up some retail stores outside the base because they wouldn't let us sell guns and ammo inside the base. So we opened up stores outside the base, we opened four. And then the ammo shortage came in. I don't know if you remember that, about 20, I think it was 2014. Um uh, there was no ammo. So we had gun stores with no ammo. And so I told my partner, so I mean, you know, let's just make uh make the ammo ourselves. And they're like, you fucking crazy. And I'm like, well we'll figure it out. So I figured it out and with their help, we we um created an ammo manufacturing company. So in
0: 2017. Well, I was just going to say, so I remember my stepdad, you know, he would take, I guess it was just pistol cases, I guess. And you, you probably couldn't do shotgun because that'd be blown out of pieces, but I was assuming, but I remember pistol for sure. He would take and he would have a mach- like some kind of device in our garage that he would load the shit with, you yeah. know, and I always thought, one of these days he's going to blow his fucking face off <laughs> because I didn't really, I still understand it enough to know, but I'm thinking, well, if it's a bullet that fires, I, I think that could be a very easily could happen. So like, I mean, when you say you were manufactured ammo, the, the liability of that would, I imagine would be through the roof. Yeah. It, it's a high liability,
2: but back in the in 2014, 2015, no, actually it was 20, Obama's second term. Let's put it away. I don't know when the fuck it was. Yeah, I don't either. Uh, he was being very restrictive, and 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 they were gonna um, ban AR-15s and and the ammo and all sorts of things. So people were panicking. They were hoarding the ammo. So I do remember that now. Uh, so for us to get into the ammo business was really good because um, you know inventory is like gold. I mean, if if there was a shortage or whatever, you know, you had a gold mine there. So yeah, just getting to. It was hard because um, uh, during those years you couldn't get the components. Like to get powder, I had to buy a
0: ton, literally a ton, of powder. Literally a ton, which is how many pounds for those people lifting? Uh, I think
2: it's two thousand pounds.
0: God dang! What would you do? How would you store two thousand pounds of fucking gun ammo? The little drums. In or, or, what? <laughs> <aim one. laughs> in drums. <laughs> well, they, they sold
2: it to you in drums, and, and then we had the facility to store them, I and it had to be separate from from the um, the other components.
0: So and like we, a separate temperature, a certain temperature, I would imagine.
2: No, no. Really? No. Okay. The whole thing is temperature control, but, um, yeah, I mean, it just sits on the side. It's, it's sealed, and and that's it. So then you have the primers which are the little explosives but you got to hit them hard for them to go off right Okay Then we had the cases and then you had the bullets So everything that we bought was in the thousands like the bullet, the, the cases the minimum buy was buy was 250,000 cases Yeah and so everything was like that it was it was capital intensive definitely but for us we had the capital and we're like this is, you know, you're printing money,
0: basically. Right. And so that's, that's what we did. Wow. That's crazy. That's, I mean, that's, a, that, I mean, I think that's such a smart way of thinking. I mean, when, when, if there's a shortage, you make it. I mean, that, that's a genius idea if you ask me. So, uh, you know, I bet your sales were, you probably didn't have to do shit to, to sell.
2: No, uh, Obama was the best sales person ever for <laughs> us.
0: Because of the fear.
2: Oh, yeah. When, when he got reelected, like, the week after, um, we had the 30-round magazines. I think we had, like, 15,000 in stock. And we sold out of them, like, in a week. It was, just, it was, it was bizarre. It was crazy, man. So when, when the election of... Um, Trump and Hillary was going on. We were making ammo left and right. I mean, our warehouse was full, and and we were, we were holding the sale of ammo because we thought that Hillary was going to win. And if she won, I mean, you'd have been you'd have had a gold mine. Yeah. However, however, yeah, Trump won, <laughs> and uh, our bubble burst basically, and so we were sitting on a lot of inventory. Uh, so we had to do some crazy sales and things like that. We got rid of it, but um, yeah, that was, we were betting that um, we didn't want her to win, but we were betting that she was going to win because everybody yeah. made the fake news that she was gonna right. Win. Yeah. so We're like, okay, well, we're ready, you know, to serve the customer that needs our product. Right. <laughs> so right. In 2017 um, we sold all the retail stores and uh, we kept the ammo and the gun soap. and then um eventually a year later my my par- partners bought me out of those other the two businesses because I was hired to continue to run my you know the, the tactical company, so I ran that for like eighteen months and um that's when I learned about andy and and um, Ed and the rest is history I mean I joined the syndicate. That that proved me apply and I, that proved me, and this is my second year and now you
0: make oil, and now yeah, so, so now that's I, a pretty- pretty drastic change from from yeah. uh, tactical stuff to ammo to essential oil. How the hell do you make that transition
2: yeah so so my wife and I started natural choice company because we've been my wife's been doing natural products is like 2004 so okay and you want to tell us why okay because most of the uh, um the off-the-shelf products they're full of chemicals
0: i didn't so, think that was exactly going to be the reason why i thought there was no, another reason no there, there's other
2: reasons but that's that okay.
0: we started with that because my, my children started having some issues with skin
2: and we were trying different things to so figure out what worked all natural stuff on on my on my kids. Then in two thousand six, my son uh, he was six years old in September two thousand six. He got uh, diagnosed with a brain tumor. In opera. Oh, well, I actually didn't know that. Yeah. So um, he got diagnosed in September, and what happened was. You know, we took him to the doctors and all this stuff, and, and they, they kept telling us the bullshit stories. Like, oh, I'll put him in chemo, put him in radiation. And we're like, okay, what, what are the statistics if he will survive that?
0: No, fucking next to nothing.
2: Exactly. So they kept fucking lying to me. They kept going, well, you know, there's a chance like 20 some percent. And no, no, no. I said, you have, you, you've seen this before. Tell me. And finally, some guy grew up here and told me, he goes, well, it's less than 10 percent. And I said, even that, less than 10%, what the fuck is it? 2%, 1%? You know, um, Robert, was it Robert Kennedy? The senator got got the same brain tumor that my son had. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think it's it's Robert Kennedy. I think he was a senator. He had the same brain tumor. And I told my wife, he's got the same thing as our son. He's gone in three months. And they did all sorts of things to him, and he was gone in three months. So usually they last three months. So anyway, um, so when my son got diagnosed with that, we, we we went all natural. Like we gave up soda pop, potato chips, I mean, any junk food, any canned foods, anything like that. And so we started looking more into um, natural medicine. We went to Mexico and to a holistic doctor and, and they did some magnetic therapy. They did reflexology and things like that. But, I mean, just can't fucking kill the tumor. I mean, it was too big the tumor was just too big when wow. I noticed that. So, so anyway, so after he died, January one, 2007, we continue with our, you know, a routine, you know, all natural products and things like that. And so um, I wanted to launch a business, but my business started taking off. The, the tactical gear started taking off and it was paying the bills. I was making good money. And so there wasn't, I couldn't just, take my eye off the ball right here because this was feeding the family. And um, when I sold the company, then, you know, my wife and I said, okay, it's time for us to do this. Mm -hmm. And so now the mission of the company is to improve people's life. People don't realize what they're putting on the skin. So, um, you, you know, the skin is the largest organ in the body. True. And the absorption rate of your skin in certain instances, is greater than if you ingest products. So, you're in the shower, you know, with shampoo, conditioner, and all that shit, and your skin is absorbing that extra, you're putting soap or body wash or whatever, and it's full of chemicals. And a lot of those chemicals uh, mimic estrogen. So, you know, men start getting men boobs and shit like that, and more effeminate. And I mean, just over a long period of time, obviously, there's a lot of studies by the, the, um, I think it's uh, um, University of Illinois that um, has a lot of studies on, on the effects of, uh, um, of products
1: uh,
2: huh. on, 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 at least on men We were I was studying men because we launched in 2016 2016 we launched a line of natural soaps for soldiers it was just for men because uh, I started looking at. It. Well, one day I'm taking a shower, right? and I looked at the soap, and it's pink. It smells like roses, and I am not the kind of guy who wants to <laughs> <laughs> smell like roses, you know? right? <laughs> and so I'm like, "What the fuck? Well, why am I doing this?" And so I started looking into it, and I'm going, "You know what? I don't like shopping. My wife shops. She likes right. those smells. And so whatever I got in the bathroom, that's what she's. That's what I use. Right. right. And so I'm going, you know, we might have something here. So we developed a line of products for the soldier. We started with soaps. And you know, kind of by going uh, with a funny uh campaign, it's like, do you want to smell like you, you know, you just, so for the men, do you want to smell like roses or, or fruit or something like that? And for the ladies, it's like do you want your smell you you your your partner to smell like you your girlfriends? You know, you want him to smell man, that kind of stuff. And so we launched that. And we had a distribution channel. We had 20-some stores, and so we were distributing the soap through those stores. So, I mean, getting into the natural products, it has a long story, but um, little by little.
0: Did Did the soap do well?
2: It started doing well, but then we got into contract with the company to buy us, and they go, okay, all we want is this. So they didn't want the ammo, they didn't want the guns, they didn't want, we were, we were starting a roping company and they didn't want anything, just the tactical stuff. So we sold that.
0: Okay. So are you still making the soap?
2: Yes. So now we're, um, natural choice company is, um, we're doing essential oils and our essential oils are really high quality. Uh, we compete with, uh, the two giants, DoTerra and young living and the company that we partnered to do our oil blends it's a 110 year old company here in the u.s and so we have high quality oils so it's oil soaps and now we're going to do anything that touches your skin we're going to do natural products so you know body lotions uh shampoo conditioner body wash soaps uh for the ladies stuff to take off the makeup, um, night creams, foot creams, all sorts of things. So that's, that's where we're going with this whole thing.
0: Very cool. So, you know, one thing for, for me, I, I've tried natural soaps before, mm-hmm. not your not yours, I'm sure. Uh, but I used to work at a GNC ages ago. And so they would have, you know, a line of natural soaps, whatever. And, and I'm pretty sure it was a, a particular brand um, but I don't remember the name of it, but regardless, mm-hmm. I never, I, you know, like anti, anti actually deodorant is what I was thinking of. Okay. It's just, a, I can't seem to get it to work. Yeah. Deodorant is a little hard.
2: It's, it's a little difficult, but like, for instance, for me, I don't use deodorant in the winter. I use coconut oil. That works Really? Yeah. Just, and what
0: is, what does that
2: do? Um, I don't know. It keeps me dry. I mean, I don't, I don't, I don't sweat. Really? The natural thing. Yeah. Uh, in, in the summer I use, uh, um, a deodorant, not a, not an antiperspirant, right? Disturant. Right, antiperspirant, yeah. yeah. So, but we're, but we're working on that product as well. There, uh, there are natural options. They are natural
0: Okay. Options. And what, why is it that the, uh, you know, what is Can you tell me why I should be using natural deodorant opposed to regular? Natural opposed to whatever the hell it is I use? Because whatever it is you use, it's full of
2: chemicals, and it's being absorbing through your glands to your skin.
0: And typically, what is that going to do to me?
2: Well, I mean, look at the rate of cancer nowadays. Look at the rate of of, of strange diseases. Um, There's a lot of stuff going on out there. I don't want to say specifically things, but people know there's an epidemic out there. Be serious sickness, right? So, um, there's a lot of studies about that. You know, uh, look at the, uh, your um, uh, your deodorant. Open it up, unfold it. It's got the um, the foldable um, label. Just just look at the back. Nobody does this shit because he's gluing. you think it's one. You know, you take it off and then you see aluminum and all the fucking chemicals that the thing has. Well, that's being absorbed by you. Right. Uh, Women are getting breast cancer. I don't know.
0: Yeah, I've heard that.
2: Just, It's just a lot of stuff. I mean, if you have the option, why not use, why not go natural?
0: Yeah. Well, Our, it's been a long, it's been years since I've tried anything natural. Yeah. So maybe it's time to to try it. Tom's, I think, was the name of it. Yeah. Okay.
2: Uh, my wife uses Tom's right now. Does
0: she? Okay. And it works for her. It works for her. Yeah. Well, I mean, okay.
2: Yeah. But we, we're developing one with, with a company. So um, she'll probably switch to, to that, but.
0: Well, I would think so. Regardless,
2: it's all, it's all natural. And again, we don't drink soda. My children, or eat a lot of candy and things like that. We don't. My children are pretty, are pretty, and healthy
0: i guess you know one of the things that that you didn't mention and this is why I th- this is where i thought you were going a second ago when you dropped the bomb on me about uh you know your your six-year-old having a brain tumor uh is that you also have two kids that are uh yeah. diagnosed with down syndrome correct
2: they're not diagnosed they have it
0: <laughs> oh, well i mean okay right 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 so i i, I, I I, I mean, I used to, tr- you know, when I was a trainer, I, w- I would go to this lady's house and work with their their kid, and I don't know how you do it. Mm. I mean, like, I guess I'm just not patient. Maybe my patient. I guess I'd have patience if I had one, but like, I that has to be a challenge. Yeah, it was it was more challenging in the beginning, I think, because
2: they were premature and yeah. they both had Down syndrome. And a lot of respiratory illness uh, issues, blah, 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 blah. So we got real deep into oils, into essential oils to deal sure. with colds, try to avoid the fact that they were, you know. I mean, so, so for winter, we start, we begin to boost their, their immune system. We give them vitamin C and then we use um, a blend of oils that boost their immune system. And they're they're not getting sick like they were getting sick before. And so that works for us.
0: Now, when you say oils, like uh, skin oils? Um, Essential
2: oils. Like, for instance, my wife has a formula. I don't know what she uses in it. But it's it's like oregano mixed with this and that. And then she puts some uh, coconut oil in there. And then she applies it on the bottom of their feet every night. She rubs it in the bottom of the feet, their chest, and their back and you know they penetrate the skin
0: and 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 builds their their immune system interesting a lot of the feet i would think you know i would not think that would be a high absorption area of your body
2: yeah Uh, it is huh so we used to um man they they used to have to fly the 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 twins to from from topeka to kansas city in a freaking helicopter because they were dying or some respiratory infection or whatever. I mean, it, and they would be in the hospital in Kansas City for you know two, three weeks or a month, and, and you know we'd live two hours, almost an hour and a half, hour, four or five minutes from the hospital. And so my wife had to spend you know Monday through Friday out there, and then I had to work, and then on the weekend cycle, spend it out there. It was just, it just, uh,
0: it was a lot, a lot of time.
2: Of, it's a lot of work and a lot of time and all that stuff. And so we started trying everything, man, whatever you know people say, "Hey, try this, try that, or whatever we tried, and what worked the best for us is the oils. How about that
0: that's pretty i mean I think that's an important part of the story,
2: yeah, they were born in two thousand eight April third, two thousand eight and um wow it's been it's been a wild ride, but uh they're the most loving little creatures in the world man it's um uh, mornings, hugs, kisses, group hugs, dancing, you name it, dude. I mean, they are freaking happiest kids in the world. It's just, I mean, you can't be sad around them, man. You just can't, you know. You can't. Wow. Yeah. It's just, they're, they're so happy. Very innocent and, and, and I mean, just. Ooh, man.
0: I'm gonna start does, so it, do you think they ever grow out of that? Or I mean, is that yeah. I, I don't know much about. Okay, I, they don't. Um,
2: no, um, actually, you know, they're 11 years old and they don't speak. They, they say some little words here and in there, but mostly sign language. It, there's different um, degrees of, um, uh, you know, people don't want to say retardation, but it, I think that's what it is. Um, so they're a lot slower so that there's kids with Down syndrome that could eventually go to college and things like that. Mine won't. Okay. Because at 11 years old, they have the, 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 the mind of a two-year-old basically.
0: And that doesn't change, obviously.
2: It, it will gradually get better. They'll do other things like, um, they are born with low muscle tone. And so for them to walk, I mean, it takes years for them to walk. Wow. Yeah like a normal baby, you know, they're crawling at six months or something like that now. It took them, like, two years to crawl, to, wow. crawl, to crawl, you know, with their elbows and things like that. Um, I used to call them the snipers, because they would be on their elbows. <laughs> 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 there, there would be snipers, but it, it, it took them a long time, you know. Potty trained, it took, like, ten years to potty train them, and it's just really, wow. really slow. But you know, God is so beautiful in, um, in His work that the the amount of grief that they've given us versus the happiness, is like ninety to percent to ten percent.
0: Man, it's just, uh, it's just, it's. And that that's incredible, Miguel. Like I would have not, you know, just because of not, you know, I don't have that much experience. Right. Of- and with my friend's kid which is very minimal um i would i i don't I, I guess i don't know what to expect so i i love to hear that 90 percent of the time that they're happy that's incredible i wouldn't have thought that
2: yeah they're yeah there's i mean they're the happiest kids ever man <laughs> period yeah playful loving Honest. I mean, all everything you really want out of a person, they are.
0: You know. That's fantastic. And yeah, the
2: drawback is it. Yeah, they don't talk, but you communicate. We we do communicate. They, sure. they They understand if I say no, don't do that, or can you get this? They'll they'll do it, but they they can't articulate the words very easily. So you know, some sound language and sure you know, we're getting through it. My wife is super happy with, with them, and all my kids too. Just like. Really awesome.
0: That is amazing. Well, Miguel, so I guess we should probably wrap up. I don't even know how long we've been going. This conversation has been so fantastic. Um, so tell everybody where they can find you on on all your social uh, social uh, channels and your website and all that good stuff, please.
2: Yeah. So the the website is naturalchoicecompany.com dot com, and um, they could find me on Instagram at magpatriot. So it's mag are my name. The, the initials of my name, and then Patriot. So, okay. Yeah, dude. Perfect. Dude, I had That's- a blast, man. I had a blast. Thank you for for having me. Um, You know, you really juggle my memory, and, and I, thinking about my uh, – when we were talking about the circle really brought me back, and I'm like, man, I'm glad I'm not there anymore. You know, I just recently went back to Chicago last week, and I saw – my family they used to hang out with and they all have broken marriages. They're all kids are messed up and all that stuff. And I'm like, man, God loves me too much. You know, (laughs) he gave me the, uh, the opportunity to get out. But you know, if I was going to leave you with a piece of advice is for anybody of your listeners, look at your circle, man. Really. You know, it is so true when they say that you're the average of the five people you hang out with. And if you have
0: to, Move out of the freaking city, the state, or whatever. Yeah, that's right. Because that negative shit around you, if you've got it, it can, it can penetrate your mind and take your ass down right with it. Yeah. And you do it, like you say, negative. You're doing all these negative things.
2: They have n- no possibility to give you a positive outcome. It's just all negative. So you're going to get more shit, more negative shit.
0: Yeah, that's right. That's absolutely no. You're right. You're you're 100 right. You're absolutely right. Yeah. So, um, well, Miguel, I want to thank you again. I really appreciate you coming on, spending you know this much time with me. I, you know, I really do appreciate it, brother.
2: Good. Love it. Love it. Thank you very much. And uh, I really enjoy the conversation. And absolutely. Next time, I'll be having a Scotch and talking to you when
0: we bring it. Yeah. You- there you go <laughs> <laughs> alright my man well thank you again and uh, I guess I'll see you soon alright
1: take care you no got problem. it buddy Bye bye. if you took anything away from this podcast make sure you subscribe leave a review and go check out some other episodes on SuccessfulLifePodcast.com this is the successful life